Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Matt Denby. Guess what's coming up on this week's binge list? She gets the... The rose and the key. I was like, oh my God. I'm going to be the first one to kiss him, even if it means I kiss his neck. He's a bit like your dad looked in those photos of family holidays from the 80s. It's one of the most notoriously manipulated shows on TV, but we love it all the same. Let's be really camp. Let's be really over the top. Let's have these thickly laid on southern accents. I say, get a life to the people who care about this stupid show. And to the people who made this crap, I say, get a job. Welcome to Binge List, your favourite TV podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Denby, and joining me today are Who Magazine's TV experts, Claire Rigdon and Gavin Scott. Welcome, both of you. Hello. Oh, thanks. Hello. Hi. There's a whole bunch of buzzworthy shows to talk about today, so let's get right into it. Well, The Bachelor is back on 10, but this time they're trying something a little different, with Nick the Honey Badger Cummins representing perhaps a less chiselled but more relatable and fun Bachelor than we've seen in previous seasons. The strategy appears to be working with the ratings and the buzz well up on previous years and we have Vanessa Sunshine but more on her later what do you think <laughs> of Nick Gavin I was um, quite surprised when they cast Nick. I didn't know him. I'm not a sports fan, as you may have gathered from previous <laughs> no. episodes. Um, so I wasn't aware of him. And, yeah, to look at him, you wouldn't think that he was the typical Bachelor type of guy. And to hear him speak, he kind of sounds like a young Alf Stewart. Yes, people really do say <laughs> flame and galar and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I kind of figured that they went for the male Sophie Monk. I think Sophie's season of The Bachelorette seemed to do quite well in terms of attention. And they probably wanted someone quite quite relatable, who people consider to be like a best friend, I guess. And and you don't you didn't get that with some of the previous bachelors. No. Um they were kind of a bit, you know, too good looking and too yeah. too aloof and too perfect. Whereas Nick seems really down to earth. So I think yeah, it, it you know, there was a risk in hanging a season on him, but I think it might just pay off and the ratings so far would suggest that. What do you think, Claire? Uh, yeah, I'm like you, Gav. I didn't really know too much about the Honey Badger before um, the show started filming. And um, I was like, what, this guy? I read some really funny comment on Twitter the night that the show went to air that said, imagine if you're one of the contestants and you got out of the limo expecting Matty J 2.0 and got your dad in the 80s instead, <laughs> which I thought just pretty much summed it all up. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Like, he's a bit like your dad looked in those photos of family holidays from the 80s. In his stubbies. But I kind of love that. Yeah, in his stubbies with his like with his bad mo. But I kind of love that about him. And um, I really didn't think. I thought from the promos that he might be a bit contrived and a little bit like it was all a bit scripted. But he no, he's really grown on me, and I'm I'm quite excited to see how it all plays out. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, I was one of the people who was probably a little sceptical when the Honey Badger was first cast. I just saw the photos and thought, what's going on? I didn't know, really, I didn't know who he was before this, let's be honest. Um, he's not exactly in the tradition of past bachelors at all, but he seems like um, a great piece of casting to me. He's relatable, he's a fun character, he's not up himself at all. He's not aloof, he's not remote, he's not like a, a vacant male model. He has a lot of personality, which I think um, is bringing in a lot of people who don't normally watch The Bachelor, myself included. I think this show is so ridiculous, it makes it more enjoyable and bearable when you have someone who's having a bit of a wink and a bit of a laugh along the way with you. And that's yeah. what he's definitely doing. Um, I'm glad it's not another vacant male model. But I think um, the casting is not only on point with him, but with some of the women too. They're amazing. Gavin, what do you think of Vanessa Sunshine? Vanessa, ah, Vanessa Sunshine. She'll only ever be known as Vanessa Sunshine. Never Vanessa. It's always going to be the two names um, for sure. Um, look, she's clearly just decided to get as much screen time as possible and has no interest in Nick whatsoever, right? No. I and love that about her. It's kind of great, isn't it? She's just kind of gone, yeah, he's not my type. So, you know what? It's just going to be all about me. And, you know, it, it is. We, you need someone like that it's in this refreshing. type of show. Um, I, I must say, I haven't watched many of The Bachelors. The last time I really got into one of these shows is the American version when Krista was... Um, oh, yeah, Krista a, and a, Ryan. Krista and Ryan, and they got married. Didn't and they I, make millions off their wedding or Yes, something? I, I really like that season, so I'm not a, a big um, Bachelor viewer, but I tell you what, someone like Vanessa Sunshine is going to keep me watching because she's, she's excellent TV. Do you love her, Claire? Yeah, is she the one that said, oh, my God, I can't believe I shaved my legs for this? Like, oh, how relatable is that? <laughs> can't tell you how many times I've been on a date back in the day and gone, oh, my God, I can't believe I worked for this. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of love it. I sort of love quite a few of them, but I have to admit I have one particular reason for loving one of the girls. Should I out myself? Well, let's 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 get to that because um, <laughs> I think you're talking about one of the front runners. Let's get to her. But um, but Matt, yeah. are you a Vanessa fan? Uh, I Vanessa love Sunshine? Vanessa. I love Vanessa. She's a ray of sunshine. <laughs> She's a real bomb thrower. She's straight from casting heaven. I'd love to know what was being whispered in her ear uh, by producers throughout this. We all know she's got a role to play. There's no serious prospect whatsoever that she's going to be picked as his bride. But we still go <laughs> through the whole pantomime of the rose ceremony with you know the fake tension over whether she's going to get through or not. And of course she does get through and it's got nothing to do with romantic chemistry. It's got everything to do with drama. We all know that's what's going on but it's a bit of fun, isn't it? I mean, spoiler alert for the Clueless, Vanessa is going to get through again and again and again until near the end when they shift from drama into uh, tension over who's going to get picked and she's not going to get picked at the end. But until then we're going to have a lot of fun with Vanessa and a lot of fun with the other girls too. I mean, we've got Kat, the fashion designer from Bali. How great is she? Well, speaking yes. Oh, Kat. Speaking of drama, the Mean Girls. Oh my gosh, Cat oh. is just awful. Like just can unpleasant. Just, can I just say how genius was it that Channel Ten decided to screen Mean Girls the movie after the first yeah. episode? Because it's like uh, I was like literally air pumping, just going, "Yes, this is perfect." But yeah, I know. I I don't know how. I mean, every year there's kind of bitchy bitchy ya ya going on, mm. but I kind of feel like yeah, those oh those three girls. I don't know. Oh, not a fan, not a fan. But you've got to wonder how much of it is editing. Like I remember chatting to Sam who ended up obviously hooking up with Tara, a bachelor of Par- in paradise, and him saying, oh, my God, like the producers really edited me badly. Like, and I just wonder 
if Kat is thinking no, the same thing. No, no one is editing Kat. She thinks she's so clever. <laughs> she knows exactly what she's doing. She's Do sitting there proud as punch. I'm going to say something really mean and bitchy. You can tell by the look on her face that she knows what she's doing. The only thing I would say is that she clearly hasn't watched the um, the reality stars episode of You Can't Ask That. Oh, because yeah. Because she, she's going to suffer on social media. You know, people love her on t- seeing her on TV, but people aren't going to like her. I reckon she's yeah, going to cop. why would you knowingly paint yourself as a villain, though, Gab? This is why I'm not sure I agree with you. Like, why would you willingly go into reality TV and be like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the whole of Australia hate me and I'm going to make people troll me on social media to the point where I have to shut down my accounts and possibly question my reason for being. Well, yeah, I, I don't know that maybe that's her aim, but I think her aim is to be, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be a straight talker. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to, you know, I, I'm gonna, you saw it in the first episode when she saw that, um, that girl who was dating her ex-boyfriend and she didn't go and have a quiet conversation with her. She kind of went, right, I'm going to have this conversation in front of everyone because that's the way I am. Yeah. She's, you know, there's, there's, it's just someone who wants to be the centre of attention and I don't think she's a, a real prospect for Nick's heart. And I think, like yeah. like Matt said for Vanessa Sunshine, Kat's going to be there again and again and again until the end because she's great TV and she knows it. Do you think the producers are in their ear, though, sort of going, hey, you know, it would be really funny, Kat, you should totally do a little and then just planning to see. Like, I mean, I think I've watched a little bit too much of Unreal to kind of take anything anyone says seriously because we all know right from that show that everyone pulling the strings is, are the producers. Yeah, no, I I would definitely agree with that. I, I think the producer pr- are probably egging her on and making her feel like she's the most hilarious one in the room and going, oh, tell us more, Kat, tell us more. And so she does. Yeah. Matt, what do you think of Kat and her friend, her partner in crime, Romy? What do you think of them? I think they're hilarious and I think it's just oh so convenient that um, Kat happens to have an ex who was dating one of the other women who's in the show as well. How interesting. It's all too good to be true. Do you think they do a giant Venn diagram? They just get everybody's <laughs> um, like Instagram pages and they're like just kind of just get some really elaborate algorithm to figure out like how many of them have, have, have rooted each other's partners, etc., etc. I reckon they must. I think it's just ample proof of a lot of skullduggery with the casting. This is not a random outcome, let's be honest. There are 25 million people in this country and this happens come on now, can, we, <laughs> can we talk about alicia you can't talk about cat and romy without talking about alicia, Which one's alicia? well she's Which the she? she's the one who's now the new narrator of the show she hangs oh, out she's, funny. I love she's funny she's kind of like the girl who hangs out with the mean girls and makes jokes to make them laugh hey cat hey romy let me make a joke and, and then they'll go haha you're so funny alicia <laughs> um, but I do like Alicia. She she does seem to have a um, healthy sense of humour about it all, whereas I feel like um, Kat and Romy are taking it um, a little bit seriously and, and uh, you know, like that kiss that Romy had, with, you know, I'm going to be the first one to kiss him, even if it means I kiss his neck. Um, it just, <laughs> oh, that was so cringy, though. So oh cringy, God. but, like, they're taking it really seriously and, you know, I want to, you know, I, I want to be the one to show all the other girls I'm not here to make friends. And I'm, you know, I'm. Like, I'm did all... she come away, Willie? Like, what did she do? Did she like? Was it a kiss, or was it just a little bit of like tongue in the ear? Like, I, I just, it I was, was weird. quite perplexed by it. It was all. weird, but then she went back to the house and said, "Oh, it was, it was, it was right. It was really romantic. It was of the moment, <laughs> whatever it was." She said to to kind of make all the other girls feel horrible. Um, and yeah. she said it wasn't tacky. 
Oh, it was so <laughs> tacky. So tacky. And then she did it again. Oh, it's giving me life. In the house. Yeah. Anyway, but um, but let's talk about our other favourite uh, airtime sucker. Uh, <laughs> is um, poor, lovesick Desperado Cass. Oh, who, oh Cass. Oh, Cass. I, you know, the longer this goes on, the worse I feel for Cass because they are obviously oh. interviewing her all the time. Oh, Cass, can we just grab you for another interview? Can we just ask yeah. you how you thought about this and this and this? And it looks like all she's doing is pining. Talking the whole time about him. I know. And oh. it's only because they're interviewing her so much because they know this is this is the storyline. And, uh, you know, she's just a 23-year-old girl who's got a crush on Nick and he's, be, he's being very gentlemanly towards her, but they're making her he out is. to be this, you know, stalker. And, bunny boiler. Yeah, and it's just you know I, I feel I feel bad for her. I feel I like I feel bad for her too because we've all been that person. Like yeah. you know we've all well haven't you? I mean like we've all been there in the past where you're just like kind of um, you know I'm not going to say stalk someone, but it's just like oh somebody I like is going to be at this bar and I'm just going to I'm just going to happen to be there. And it, do you think? I mean, do you think she knew that he was the bachelor? I don't think she'd be that good a liar, you know, because she's, she's claiming she didn't uh, know yeah. it was her. I, I, you know, she just seems so sweet and innocent. I don't think she's that duplicitous. But, um, but Matt, what do you make of Cass? Look, I refuse to believe that someone didn't know that Cass had a history with the honey badger. This oh, sure. is more proof of some dodgy dealings, some crazy goings on behind the scenes. I thought that she was fantastic TV. I mean, she's just amazing. I have, My eyes are fixed on her through the whole thing. It's compulsory viewing as yeah. far as I'm Wouldn't concerned. Wouldn't it be amazing if she made it to the finals though and they just pulled the ultimate Swifty on us all and actually they had it. They had the bone for each other from the start. That would like, be really be interesting. I mean, Matt, you're saying you only have eyes for her. She only has eyes for Nick. But um, in terms of who Nick has eyes for, so far the front runners are clearly Brooke and Shannon. Brooke, who made such an impression on the first episode that she got that, that fancy key to the bachelor pad. And Shannon, <laughs> yeah. who had that really first great first date with him. Now, Claire, you actually have a personal connection to young Brooke, don't you? I do. I do. Uh, yes, she is very is someone very close to me. She's a member of my family, in fact, which is just mega, mega random. What are the chances? And I just want to just put it out there publicly that I had absolutely no idea that she was going to go on the show. And absolutely, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen because I don't want to know. I, I want to be, I mean, for a start, she can't tell me because she's probably signed contracts up the wazoo. But I like to watch it all unfold with the rest of Australia. But it is a bit weird watching someone you know really well on a show like that. Um, and it was even weirder watching the first episode and and, and she gets the, the rose and the key. I was like, oh, my God, way to go, Brookie Chook. Like, <laughs> Get in there. And, um, yeah, look, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this season of The Bachelor and uh, I don't know how I'm possibly going to be able to talk about it without sort of clearly being ex- expressing favouritism towards her. But, um, yeah, she, oh, as, was it Kat that said, oh, she's got some serious chem? Yeah, probably. Was it like, oh, what was that term, like full-on chem or something? Chem and, AF. Uh, yeah, Cam AF, yeah, with like, yeah, and it was, 
there was definitely some sparks between the two of them when they were doing that photo shoot. Oh, yeah, mm. for sure. And Shannon seems to be doing very well. And we, we've talked about it a little Which bit. Which Shannon? Shannon's one's the she? one they were winched down out of the helicopter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I like her. She's uh, cool. She seems really down to earth. But then she had that little teary moment. And we've talked a little bit already about the, you know, producers doing stuff behind the scenes and, and all of that unreal type of stuff at play. But that bit where Shannon went off to the bathroom and you saw the subtitles of the producer telling her, oh, do you think it's just because you really like him? I'm not planting ideas in your head, but if I say this to you behind a closed door, um, do you think you could then come and have an interview about it with me? It's just <laughs> yeah. like it's, you can see the layers of which, and, you know, obviously I'm not blaming them. They've got a show to make and it's a show we're all enjoying. But uh, you can just see that heavy-handedness um, coming from the producers sometimes. Matt, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's there, it's there, it's there. I mean, anyone who doesn't know how manipulated this show is, is extraordinarily naive after all these years. It's one of the most notoriously manipulated shows on TV but we love it all the same. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I, I enjoy sitting there watching, uh, trying to put the pieces together, who's being manipulated and how it's happening. That's part of the fun as far as I'm concerned. We actually spoke to Cass and here is what she had to say about her experience on the show. Yeah, it's so interesting like watching it all play back on TV and um, the first episode definitely had a lot of focus on me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. I think I was like, pretty flustered with the whole situation, you know, going into the house and not knowing it was going to be him and then realising it was him and then the fact that we had past history and, um, you know, like dealing with all the other girls as well and, and um, figuring out like what information to say and what not to say. It's just like, I just, I was, I had so much respect for Nick, like I, um, I didn't want to make the other girls jealous or, you know, make them feel uncomfortable by saying there was past history and I didn't want to make Nick feel uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, at this point, like, my feelings were there because obviously I had feelings before, like, for him, um, when we, when we dated and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, at this point I had feelings for him and I guess I was just trying to find out how he felt about me as well. Yeah, like going into the house and finding out it was him, like I wasn't sure whether it was an advantage because, I mean, he knew me and stuff and there was 24 other beautiful girls there and he might want to get to know them, like over me. Um, But yeah, I think, to be honest, I think it was good because we had spent time together and like had, you know, deep, good conversations and I got to know so much about him and, and vice versa as well. And in the house, the time is so limited with him that like, you don't really necessarily get to discuss those things. So I I think that was a good thing, yeah. You know, previously when we went on dates and stuff, because I always thought he was such a good person, he was so kind and warm and genuine that, like, he was someone that I could potentially see myself with. So I was super stoked to see him um, there. Every time we were together and stuff, like, it was really, really good and I thought he was such a, you know, a nice, good guy and um, it was just a matter of timing that, you know, got in the way it was never really the right time. He was going away and um, like I was also busy. So I definitely saw him as someone that I could potentially be with, but it just, the timing wasn't right. Speaking of some of like the editing and stuff, you have got a fair bit of screen time. Yeah. And there's been a lot of, you know, showing your reaction to certain scenes um, that have happened and stuff like that. Um, have you, you know, sort of read some of the stuff that some people have been saying online? Um, I know some people have been calling you, you know, kind of like a stage five clinger, which is so harsh. But do you feel like it's been sort of like, is 
I'm assuming at the time you wouldn't have, like, that was not how you felt, obviously. Like, do you think... Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's TV and you only get to see... <laughs> you only get to see what they show. So, um, yeah, reading some things like that, like, I'm definitely not a stage five clinger. So seeing things like that online, is it can be hard. So yeah. I kind of just, like, ignore that and look at the positives and... Um, you know, like I've been out on the weekend and so many people have come up to me and just given me such positive feedback and, and seen me in real life and be like, oh, well, like, <laughs> you know, you're really nice. And yeah. yeah, so that's been good. And before we go, we we do just need to mention the girl who jumped in the pool in the first episode. Oh, my God. Oh, and no one noticed. Oh, How funny was that? Oh, the women noticed. Well, yeah, that's true, that's true. And they had that detailed shot of the stilettos disappearing off into the house as they left her alone in the pool. That was very cruel. I like to think that, you know, when she eventually does get married or any major life milestones that that woman has down the track, I like to think that that precise moment will be brought up by members of her family and all her friends. For, for basically for time immemorial, people will be going, remember that time we jumped in the pool the first episode of The Bachelor, you idiot? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have plenty more fun moments like that to come. If you're keen on The Bachelor, it's screening now on 10 and available to watch on 10 Play. You're listening to the one and only Binge Binge List. <laughs> Netflix has been really copying it over its new satirical dramedy series, Insatiable, which deals with the transformation of bullied and overweight teen Patty. It's been derided on social media as supposedly fat-phobic, but is it? And more importantly, is it any good? Claire, tell us all about it. Yeah, right. So this is a really interesting one. You've probably seen Insatiable popping up in your social media feeds if you're a telly fiend like we are. Um, Yeah, a lot of mixed reaction. But essentially, it's an American series um, created by a woman called Laura Gussis, I think her name is, and it stars a young woman called Debbie Ryan who plays Patty Bladell. Now, Patty is a teenager who's being who's extremely overweight and is bullied as a teenager. And um, then something happens and she's put on a liquid diet for three months because she has her jaw wide shut due to an injury. And all of a sudden, voila, she gets very thin and she decides to seek revenge on her bullies helped with uh, a guy called Bob, played by Dallas Roberts, who is a lawyer and also a wannabe beauty queen trainer. Now, it's uh, – look, it's one of these shows that uh, viewers are kind of liking and critics are absolutely slamming. And if you've watched any of it, you'll know why – I'd uh, be interested to know what you think. But, yeah, Gav, tell us a little bit more about all the controversy. Um, well, yeah, the, the controversy has come, obviously, because of, of the, uh, you know, the, the fat-shaming claims and things like that. The World of Beauty Pageants is, is a great source for a TV show. We've seen it pop up in reality show after reality show, um, all those, you know, tiaras and tantrums and, and, and toddlers and tiaras, all those yeah. shows. And so you would think a scripted series about that world would have been a great idea. There's plenty of comedy to mine, but it does seem to have been overwhelmed by all the controversy. Uh, and I, I kind of think with, with the controversy, if, if the show was a little bit better, then maybe um, it would be worth getting invested in, in the controversy. It's all a bit ham-fisted, isn't it? Especially in that fir- the first introduction you get to Patty as a fat teenager is the girl who plays her in a fat suit. And the fat suit, just frankly, is not very believable or very good. No, it's not. So I kind of feel like I don't even 
bother. I don't want to bother getting into the controversy of it because, in the first place, the show's not really worth it. But uh, Matt, what, what do you think about the controversy surrounding this show? Yeah, look, the treatment of weight issues has internet hate mobs in an absolute uproar. But really, I think this show is just so crudely made, so broad, and so ineffective on every level. I just find it ridiculous that anyone could take it seriously enough to be offended by it. It's just not that important. It's just an incompetent C-grade teen show, and without the controversy, it would have faded away very quickly. No mm, one would yeah. be watching this. I say, get a life to the people who care about this stupid show, and to the people who made this crap, I say, get a job. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I, I would agree w- with you. I think I, it's it's like this terrible sub Desperate Housewives type of primetime soap. I remember after Desperate Housewives was really big, um, there was GCB which came along, which was Good Christian Bells, or I think Good mm. Good Christian Bitches was was the alternate title for it. And it, you know, tried to just be this uh, second-rate Desperate Housewives, and it was terrible. It didn't last very yeah. long. Mark Cherry's show after Desperate Housewives, Devious Maid, same type of thing, just not a great show. And this one is, is the same kind of thing. It's obviously trying to dip into that, let's be really camp, let's be really over the top, yeah. let's have these thickly laid on southern accents, the terrible hammy acting, let's try and be really sassy and satirical, but it ends up just being limp and lame. The biggest problem with this show is the fact that it's not not because it's fat shaming or is spreading this awful message. It's because every single one of the central characters is loathsome. There is not one redeeming feature about any of them. I agree with and that. I get, yeah, I get what the producers were maybe trying to do. They were trying to make a comment and actually the creator of the show has come out and said, I've suffered from an eating disorder and I know what it's like to have all these all this abuse levelled at me and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, so be a little bit more subtle and maybe make us care about at least one of the characters and mm. in particular Patty. She's just not likeable. Yeah, I think the fundamental problem here is who are we supposed to like in this? Who is the hero? Everyone's yeah. so crudely drawn or morally bankrupt. We're supposed to like Patty, but then she's uh, getting all hot and bothered over a married man, Bob, who has faced accusations of inappropriate behaviour with a minor in the past. And that leads Patty to say the immortal line, he's a child molester, which means I might actually have a shot. Uh, that's great. Oh, just yeah, worries. yeah. I think the biggest sin, if there is one, is that this simply isn't funny. I didn't laugh once or even smile. It's extremely unsubtle. It's like a kids' hour show, like Saved by the Bell or something like that, with that level yeah. of sophistication, but with a lot of adult concepts and toilet humour. It's really lowbrow. It's not well executed. We oh. have a, an extended comedy scene at a, a benefit gala for anal cancer, and you can imagine the kind of humour that comes out of that. I mean, crude humour can be funny, but here it's just yeah. really poorly done. It's just a, a total trial. It's like a you know a twelve year old wrote this. It's absolute yeah. rubbish. I mean, no wonder the CW passed on it. They they actually had commissioned it. They passed, and then Netflix greenlit it. And I just don't understand why anyone would have. I mean, there are other shows that do that mine a similar territory with dark humour, like Santa Clarita Diet and Weeds and The Good Place, and they do it really well because their characters are great, hmm. even though they're doing pretty reprehensible things at times. That you know, particularly Kristen Bell's character in The Good Place, you know, you really kind of hate her in that first episode, but there's something about her that's kind of yeah, that you kind of identify with and you click with and, and just the writing's really good. Like, no, if you if you want a good show in this territory, try Dietland on Amazon Prime, which we spoke about a few mm. weeks ago. It's much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just not well executed at all. Let's ignore it and hopefully it will go away. Well, if you're still keen, <laughs> Insatiable is available review now on Netflix. Don't do it. No. And now, 
It's TV News. And three cheers to Channel 10, who are doing something a little different in the Australian market by generating a lot of buzz with their Pilot Week concept. Now, this draws on the American tradition of trialling new shows before commissioning them. We've already seen a bunch of them this week. The ratings haven't been great, but some of the reaction has been. Uh, Let's get into it, Gavin. What did you think? Um, well, I actually checked out Dave. We kind of divided and conquered with this because there's a lot of new shows in one week. So we haven't all watched all of them. And I watched Dave uh, starring Dave O'Neill. And this is not bad. This is one of those comedian plays a version of himself shows featuring average suburban dad Dave O'Neill and his more famous friends Dave Hughes and Glenn Robbins. Dave Thornton mm-hmm. is also in it, but not as himself. And it kind of sits somewhere between Everybody Loves Raymond and Curb Your Enthusiasm. That kind of mm. – it's based on real life but it's not really real life and they're all kind of paying paying themselves out. Some of the script towards the end of the episode wasn't great. It got a bit silly, but I did really like the scenario and character humour in it. So I would think, yeah, if they can uh, commission this for a full season, I think it could actually be quite a goer. Right, and I watched Disgrace, which uh, aired last Sunday night. I think of all the pilot concepts, this one might have the best chance of going forward, simply because it's that... Do you think? Yeah, it's got that tried and tested cheap panel discussion format that works so well on Channel 10. Mm. It's a very familiar kind of format. Um, I think it's certainly far less risky than a sitcom, which is uh, often more expensive and almost 100% certain to fail, let's be honest. I think Sam Dastiari feels like a bit of a sleaze, in my opinion, but he's competent enough here, despite the clunky bit, He's made for a media career, take that as you will. Perhaps he should have started there to begin with rather than politics. And in this day and age of outrage addiction and social media shaming mobs, this is a good concept for a chat show, and I'm sure they're going to run with it uh, for a long time. There's so much material coming up. What did you watch, Claire? I watched Drunk History and I loved it. Fans of the American version of this show will like this on a number of different levels. It stays pretty true to the original, um, although the US host Derek um, hasn't been replaced in the Aussie version and it's just a nameless producer in the background getting his subjects drunk while they talk about history. Uh, This won't mean anything to you if you haven't seen the American version. If you have, you'll get what I'm talking about. Uh, It's also great because the stories are more recognisable because they're Australian. So we've got, in the first episode, we've got Stephen Curry retelling the story of Ned Kelly, which is hilarious. But the absolute highlight for this for me was Rhys Darby, who's a New Zealand comic that people might know from Flight of the Concords, was absolutely so funny retelling the story of Farlap. Like it literally takes a lot to get me to laugh out loud during comedy on TV. And I was laughing so hard at this that I was actually sort of like struggling to breathe at one point. Um, And it's even funnier when you discover that they actually have somebody playing Farlap. Like, so they don't use a horse. It's someone people will know and love in a horse mask, which is entirely part of the gag. And it is absolutely side-splittingly funny. Honestly, I adored this. And, uh, yeah, I really hope that it gets picked up, which I am almost 100% certain that it will be. So those were some of the shows we did like. Here's some that we had a few problems with. Now, I watched Taboo, which aired uh, last Tuesday. I saw an extremely rough edit of this uh, before it went to air, which will almost certainly not match uh, aspects of the broadcast version. The concept here is meant to be talking about things you don't want to talk about and laughing about things you don't want to be laughing about. This is based on a Belgian show, which apparently rates through the roof in that country. There's nothing even remotely funny about the first three quarters of this show, um, which is hosted by Harley Brown. 
Green. It introduces us to four people who are dealing with life-changing injuries and disabilities and talks us through uh, the trials that they go through, um, the sadness and um, the trials of, of dealing with their conditions. And then at the end, you have Harley doing his stand-up, which is based on his week with his subjects. Um, that came in the last 10 minutes of the rough version that I saw, and we didn't get to see much of it. Most of it hadn't been put in the uh, rough edit that I saw. But presumably, it's going to be pretty funny, and um, it'll sort of uh, be insightful about uh, the way that people have to cope with disability. Um, I think this show will be interesting for people who want to see uh, the, the perspectives of marginalised groups who don't get to talk about their conditions very much. Um, but I sort of wonder whether it would have been more interesting if some disabled comedians had been given a platform to speak because they are out there and they're not featured here. And I watch Skit Happens. Unfortunately, I watch Skit Happens. I mean, is it... Ni- Unfortunate title. Oh, is it 1988? This is so dated and not very sophisticated. We've come a long way since the likes of Fast Forward and Comedy Company and Skit Happens wasn't as good as either, then or now. Oh, my God. Every joke was rammed home. There was no subtlety. Even calling many of them jokes was giving it too much credit. Woefully oh, unfunny yowch. and undercooked. No, there is room for a sketch show, I think, on TV again. And, you know, we've had countless sketch shows uh, coming from the UK, which have been really good over the years. But, yeah, Skid Happens felt like undergrad humour and the first pass of the joke. They should have gone away. Okay, that was our first attempt at the joke. Now let's write the real joke. The only good skit show that I've seen out of Australia in the last decade or so is Black Comedy on ABC, which is very, very funny. I go back to that one again and again. But, um, yeah, on the whole, I don't think it's something that Australia does particularly well. No, and and Black Comedy is back soon. Now, obviously, we haven't seen uh, Trial by Kyle, Bring Back Saturday Night, probably because Bring Back Saturday Night is filmed live and uh, (laughs) that day hasn't happened yet. Um, And Kin Tonight, Kinny Tonight, I don't even know how you say his name, but they're the ones we haven't seen. But um, Trial by Kyle is obviously going to be uh, get a lot of attention because Kyle Sanderlands, who, who doesn't want to at least see what he does in the Judge Judy kind of role. Um, but I don't know, Matt, what do you think about Kyle being back on TV? Look, I'll give it a shot when it's on there. I mean, I'll give almost anything a shot once. Whether I last on it, I highly doubt it. I didn't even watch Judge Judy, to be honest. Right. Well, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people will be checking in, but whether they stay with it, they might check out just as quickly with, um, you know, Kyle is pol- polarising, let- let's face it. Do you know what I have a real problem with? Um, the fact that it's like a courtroom setting and you've got Anna Heinrich from The Bachelor as Kyle's 2IC. Now, she's actually the one who has an actual law degree and is a lawyer, and yet she's the one that's playing second fiddle to Kyle. Like, I just have a little bit of a problem with that, as I had a little bit of a problem with the lack of female faces during this Mm. pilot week, which I don't want to dwell on too much. But from what I've seen so far in Drunk History and uh, some of the other shows on offer, there really isn't a lot of chick, you know, like there's so many funny chicks out there. There's so many women that have so much to offer Australian TV. Where are they? Well, yeah, we all know that Kyle likes to bang his gavel and so he'll be doing that um, <laughs> at, at, at the expense of everyone else, Is that it a seems. euphemism? Oh, I don't know, Claire. <laughs> Well, tell us what you thought of the Pilot Week show's listeners. Get in contact with us on Twitter. Look out for I Am Claire, Gavin Scott 99 and Mr Matt Denby. Binge List, brought to you by Who Magazine. 
It's been a very long time since Matt Groening changed the world with The Simpsons. He had another go at catching lightning in a bottle with Futurama with mixed results and a shorter run. Now he's back on Netflix with new show Disenchantment. Set in a fairy tale world and featuring a very familiar animation style, does this one have what it takes to be another game changer? You know, I don't think so. I, um, like everyone out there, I was like, oh, Matt Groening, he's got a new show. I better check it out. And, you know, Disenchantment has received plenty of attention since its debut about a week ago. It's set in a medieval-type fantasy world called Dreamland, where there are elves and ogres and other mythical creatures. There's also a princess nicknamed Bean, and she's not your stereotypical pretty princess who just dreams of her prince coming. Uh, you know, she's, she's a bit of a rebel, a bit of a rabble-rouser, um, and that all feels like pretty familiar territory these days. You know, the fantasy world and elves and all that kind of stuff. There doesn't seem to be anything new here. Here's what I wrote down as I was watching it. Bored so bored. Can I stop watching now? I didn't know who this was aimed at. It's not risque enough for adults and it's not quite kid appropriate. It kind of falls somewhere in the middle. It feels like a bit like a Saturday morning cartoon from the 80s with a tiny (laughs) bit of edge and it does get lost in the middle there. Uh, So yeah, to binge or not to binge? I would say not to binge. But Matt, I have a feeling you might disagree. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't mind it actually. It's been probably more than 10 years or so since I've been watching new episodes of The Simpsons or any episodes of The Simpsons really. And in the meantime, that show spawned quite a few sort of unofficial children, notably South Park and Family Guy and things like that. Far more adult cartoons with far edgier content that sort of made The Simpsons seem redundant. Um, Too light, too family-oriented, something from another time. But uh, when this one came along, I was chuckling along consistently through the first few episodes. I think it fits a nice middle ground between The Simpsons and some of the more uh, crude and lewd stuff of recent years. Um, It had some nice social commentary. It had a bit of dark edge, some sort of dark humour to it that I quite enjoyed. What did you think, Claire? Yeah, I have to admit, I I really enjoy The Simpsons. I'm I'm quite a lapsed fan, admittedly, but I'm still a fan. But I absolutely hated this. I hated the way it looked. And the fact that I kept expecting to see Lisa Barton Homer pop up. Um, (laughs) And the fact that all I could see when the princess opened her mouth was Abby from Broad City, who voices her. But, um, look, the most disappointing thing for me was that I was just bored during the first episode. Like, I got halfway through and then I just completely bailed out. I definitely won't be watching and I definitely don't think that it harks back to the glory days of The Simpsons. I don't think that anything really can to be honest but this not only missed the mark but it missed it by a long shot for me so it's a hard pass it's got us divided yep yep well if you're keen about seeing disenchantment it's available now on netflix see what you think it's time for this week's hidden gem now claire you've uh, got the hidden gem this week and quite a few people have been raving about this one recently tell us all about wellington paranormal oh i love this show it's on sbs so it's not a massive hidden gem but you know it's one of those shows that that might have passed you by. It's from the creative minds of Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, also known as the dude from Flight of the Concords and the dude behind the Thor films. Um, look, it's a new mockumentary series based on the acclaimed film What We Do in the Shadows, which came out in 2014, um, which was a mockumentary uh, movie about a bunch of vampires that live in a share house in Wellington. Now, This show is not at all about them, but it is about two police people that pop up during that film, Minogue and O'Leary, who are two very straight-faced cops who find themselves investigating what's going on in the vampire house. This entire series is about those guys. So 
they get enlisted to uh, investigate paranormal occurrences in the Wellington Police District. Um, like the film, it's it's a mockumentary style and they play everything really straight. So, for example, in the first episode, they're investigating a demon who's escaped from hell who's taken the form of a teenage girl who spews, spews a lot of bile. Um, but the funny thing is, is that they chat to her just like she's a normal person that they're sort of pulling in for questioning on a Friday night. It's very funny. So this is for anyone who loves Flight of the Concords, Taika Waititi, What We Do in the Shadows. It's extremely silly, which is what I love. So I think Mulder and Scully, but like, you know, just slapstick ridiculousness. Um, and yeah, word up this week, the episode that's going to going to air features Nick, who is one of the vampires from the film. And if you have seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is absolutely hilarious. Definitely check it out if you're a fan of anything that I've just discussed. I did like the film, so I will check it out. Um, it's, it's been on oh, my list. Oh, you'll love this then. Yeah. yeah. you definitely love it, Gavin. If you like the movie, then this is almost like required viewing. Excellent. And Wellington Paranormal is available on SBS On Demand. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you've enjoyed this week's show, please make sure you're subscribed and get in contact with us on Twitter at I am Claire, Gavin Scott 99 and Mr. Matt Denby. We'd all love to hear from you. Until next week, happy viewing. Bye. See you guys. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.